it's been a while. But we are back to talk about The End of Twilight, the first book. Yes, we are. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I think we should just have our guests introduce themselves. Um, we have two guests on today. This is a very special day, and this has been a long time coming. Um, I will let you both kind of introduce yourselves if you just want to say who you are and maybe talk about your experience with Twilight slash vampires in general. Um, we would love to hear any and everything. Uh, well, hello, uh, Luke, friend of Aaron. Uh, and I've never read the Twilight book or any of them before this. Aaron, my partner, Aaron, spelled with an I instead of Y, mm-hmm. um, uh, showed me the first movie. It was kind of boring. Um, and it is. Uh, and then I read the book in like a couple of days for this. Um, interesting. Let's say uh, for as, as, a, as a first time reader of the Twilight franchise, it was, I'd say, uh, about the level of what I expected. Like, not, like, better than I thought it would be, but not worse than I thought it would be. So a good, mm-hmm. good middle-of-the-road experience, uh, which I'm fine with. Because um, I don't need to enjoy the book to talk about it. Uh, sure. <clears throat> but I love vampires. I love blood. I uh, work around dead bodies. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're being put Wait, on. The are you gonna say what you do around dead bodies, or are you just gonna leave it out? At <laughs> a funeral home, it's not like it's like a normal job that is around dead bodies. I just pick them up and put them in a cooler. What would be an abnormal job that was around dead bodies? Chef. That's true. Honestly, that is true. Also, Luke, I did <laughs> notice that you said you were my friend and not Gabby's friend. Well, I'm much closer with you than with Gabby, and I didn't want to make assumptions. I know that Gabby and I are close. <laughs> this was this was news to me the day oh. after Christmas. Oh. Please forgive me, Gabby. Can I be can I be your friend too? Yeah, I guess. We're in here today, and I was like, "Whoa, that's weird. Never been introduced that way by Luke." Best friend, um, good buddy. <laughs> I realized my mistake. Um, hello, I am also Aaron, uh, Luke's partner and friend of Gabby and Aaron. Um, what else was I supposed to say? Just about vampires and Twilight in general. I was definitely really Twilight obsessed, and actually, I'm just like gonna kick things off by sending a picture into the Discord channel right now. Um, I think I'm like 10 or 11, whatever year Twilight came out and what, however old I was when that movie came out. Um, that's how old I was. This is a picture of me. Did it send or do I have to hit this? Okay. This is a picture of me with my friend, my best friend. And I'm wearing this shirt that my mother must have bought because I wasn't out there buying my own clothes at this age. And it's like... For the people listening, it's it's like the movie poster, but just like the, the white silhouettes of Edward and Bella's faces. 
And it's like Edward looming over Bella, like his face is like profile. And there's this giant text on the shirt that says, I just like watching over you, which is, of course, a quote from Twilight. But it's the creepiest goddamn shirt ever. And I don't know why my mom was just okay. Look how little I look. This is a this is a child. This is horrifying. <laughs> Honestly. Like, why was my mom no, no. okay with me just wearing that out and about? Like you what? look like you just got some of your adult teeth in this picture. Like, I don't know if that's true I did. or not, but like you do look quite young. Yeah, that I love that. I had Twilight posters all over my bedroom. Um wow. I was pretty diehard Team Edward. Um, I really didn't like people who were Team Jacob. I thought they were stupid because Bella and Edward, obviously, as an adult, I definitely come to terms with a lot of the toxic relationship themes in Twilight, as well as how problematic Edward is just entirely. But, like, you would not have been able to talk me out of that as a kid. I was pretty convinced that... I was Bella, and that one day mm-hmm. I would meet a sexy, sparkling vampire, and they would transform me, and I would start living my actual life. So, Erin, that's super weird because, like, I think I was Bella, and so I just like don't know how there could be two Bellas. Like, I don't know. We'll talk that's about this true. later. That's true. <laughs> um, great. Thank you so much for being here, you two. Yeah, Luke, I know that you are definitely someone who, like, I don't know why, but I definitely associate vampires with you. I think that's fair. I I don't sleep a lot. Uh, I sort of have a gaunt appearance about me most of the time, and most people think that I might I have uh, creepy vibes. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not my fault. That's true. I, uh, but I'm not going to incriminate myself any further. When when I first started, like, spending time with Luke and, like, developing feelings for them, I had a friend at the time who I'm not friends with now. Um, but I remember, like, telling my friend, like, oh, I think I have feelings for this person. Like, it's Luke. I think you know them. And I remember them being – this was not someone who knew Luke well at all. But they were like – you like Luke? I think they're like legitimately a psychopath. <laughs> and I just remember being like, uh, what? <laughs> but Luke thought that was very funny when I told him oh that. Oh god. Okay, good, because that made me laugh really hard. It is it is very funny. Uh what a thing to say about someone that you don't know. I know, right? That's yeah, and I'm not. Like, I think I like them, and you're like, I think they're a psychopath. That and for any reason, they were just like, I never see them with any friends on campus, and they just give off weird vibes. And I was like, I see them with friends all the time. What are you talking about? Seriously, Luke, I feel like whenever I saw you around, you were with friends. So was- if this person is listening, honestly, dead, dead to us. Yeah. I was about to say, I think I've only ever seen Luke with friends. Thank you. (laughs) Luke does not exist in isolation. (laughs) Well. Um, Fantastic. We are, we're, um, Gabby and I are really happy to have you on. I know that when we were trying to figure out, like, who do, who do we want to have on for the end of the book? And we've had some time away and 
she was just like, well, Luke and Aaron really want to come on. And I was like, yes. so could not ask her a better duo. Thank you for being here. We're flattered. And we're ready to share our opinions on Twilight by Stephanie Myers. Is it Myers or Meyer? Meyer. Okay. Twilight Meyer. By yes. Um, great. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover tonight, so we should probably just dive right in. Um, yeah. I know that usually we're so, like, on track, chapter by chapter, but... I'm wondering if we're a little, a little wild, a little loose this evening with our um, <laughs> our structure. You know, all happens so like it's hard for me to yeah. separate my chapter in my brain. Yeah, I was thinking, Gab, tell me what you think about this. I could honestly give like a 30 second summary right now of everything that happens, and then I think we should just be able to talk about whatever the fuck we want. That works. That sounds wonderful, amazing, brilliant. Thank you. Um, okay, so last we left off, about, I don't know, six to eight weeks ago now, um, but we ended right when Bella uh, is leaving Forks with Jasper and Alice um, to flee from James the Tracker, and Edward is going to try and, like, draw him off slash kill him uh with carlisle and rosalie and so they all split ways it's very sad what happened from now to the end of the book bella goes to phoenix arizona with jasper and alice she is tricked by james because she's kind of stupid that james has her mother captive and unless she goes to meet him at this ballet studio that is near her childhood home, he is going to kill her mother and she can't let Jasper and Alice or anyone know what's going on. And so as Jasper, Alice, and Bella are about to go to the airport to pick up Edward and they're all going to like flee and go into hiding, Bella does some tricksy maneuvering in the Phoenix airport and loses Jasper and Alice and the rest of the vampires she goes to this ballet studio. James is, of course, a liar, does not have her mother. And he starts to, like, torture her and make, like, a snuff film of him, like, killing her. And also reveals that he was obsessed with Alice when Alice was a human. But then she got turned into a vampire and he was like, oh, I don't care anymore. And um, basically he is torturing her and then Edward shows up and has to suck venom out of Bella's blood to save her life. And then she's fine. And then she goes back to Forks and they've created some big lie as to what happened. And then they go to the prom. And then Jacob's dad is like, break up with your boyfriend. We'll be watching. And Bella's like, that's not going to happen. And they reach an impasse. She wants to be a vampire. He does not want her to be a vampire. And it basically ends with them being like, Shrug. And that's it. It was so funny. I was listening to this on audiobook. And it's like the last sentence of the book is something like he lanes in and like his they, their cheeks touch or something. It's a sentence that really feels like it's like, oh, really? This is the end um, of this book? Because it, it was so abrupt in inaudible because it does that last sentence and then immediately goes like, 
this like audible like random music to be like haha there's the end of your book and i was like what oh that's how it ends it just is like something i can't i can't remember what it was i was the last line of the book is and he leaned down to press his cold lips once more to my throat i wonder if i can play it for you it was i think it's worth it I want to hear it. My only books that I listen to on Audible specifically are the Harry Potter books because I've been downloaded from ages ago. And at the end of all of those books, it's like, and it's like the ending of some of the books is like, and Harry knew that he would probably die, but he went forward anyway. And then it goes, yes. That's the exact song. No, I know it well. I know it well. I'm trying to see if this is where it's. Is it the the Jim Dale recordings? Of Harry Potter? Yeah. 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 It is Jim Dale only. Okay. That's jarring. This is Ileana Dushin. We hope you have a bridge production of The Twilight. So it was just, it was a really strange shift. Yeah, it is an abrupt ending. That's for sure. Um, Luke and or Aaron, both of you, one of you, either of you. What is, a, actually, no, let's do this. Luke, this is your first time reading this book. Mm-hmm. I would love to know, you've seen the movie, through your reading experience, because you, I think, are our only guest who had not read the book prior and read, like, everything leading up to their chapters, I would love to know kind of, like, what your vibe was reading this book, coming up to this, like, chunk of chapters we were going to talk about. How did it compare to the movie? Did it compare just, like, what was your experience with being submerged into Stephanie Meyer's prose for the first time? Okay, well, um, after watching the movie, I knew that if I was going to be asked to, you know, talk about the book, I might as well read the whole thing. So, read it in a couple days. I I, I get what people say about, like, the writing of it being not very good, because a lot of it, I'm, like, reading it, I'm like, okay. Like, let let me pull up some of these, this great... Oh, I hurried to her side, reaching out automatically to touch her hand. Weird. Um, just all there's just lots of fluff words thrown in all around, but it makes it easy to read because then I only have to read like really pay attention to most of each sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I'd say that I'm a vampire fan, a, a, a genre fan, and I mean. People like to complain about, oh, they sparkled. They're all they're all loser vampires because they sparkle. And it's like, well, Va- Edward is a loser, but it doesn't have to do with him sparkling. I remember I was actually listening to your episode where you were talking about, uh, oh, it, his skin sparkled like a hundred diamonds in the sun. And yeah, that is a very odd sort of, uh, however she wrote it, it was a very odd way to put it. And... Really, my my biggest overall takeaway is that Edward is not attractive or charming in this book. And uh, at the end of this book, 
Team Jacob. I know the the rest of the series will ruin that for me, but at the end of this book, Team Jacob. But truthfully, uh, at the end of this book, I am Team Alice, and I can get into that uh, later or now, whatever you uh, feel up for. Now. Okay, well, I, I brought up a list. Uh, on my list, it's Alice Colin, and then three of the little uh, s- spinning heart emojis, and then the girl vampire. Uh, <laughs> while finishing the book, I thought to myself, well, Edward and Bella have zero chemistry, and Edward's a creep, and I don't like him. And I know that Jacob becomes worse as the books go along, so throwing out him too. So next, best suitor for our heroine, Alice Cullen. The only character that Bella has any sort of chemistry with. Uh, there's such great lines that Alice has, like when they uh, first meet her. Well, when Alice first meet Bella, she says, you do smell good. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that was like the first sort of thing is like, oh, okay. I, I can, am, am I reading into this because I'm trying to fi- make my own fun with this book? Maybe. But well, it just... Luke, I, well, I think you bring up a good point with that line because... I feel like if I was with someone IRL and they were like, oh, you do smell good. I would be like, um, blush. Thank you. Like I bathe and try and make myself smell nice. Like that is an intimate compliment. And I think it's one that is often overlooked by people like Edward who would maybe think that Bella would take it as an insult. So I think you bring up a really good point. That's a great line. Very flirtatious, very intimate. And exactly that thing with Edward too is that Edward can see the chemistry between them t- between them and is grumpy about it because he's like, "Don't go asking Alice about how you become a vampire, or I'm going to be pissy about it." And then she <laughs> died. Uh, and and oh, and be like not letting Alice change her when he's like, "Oh, I know other vampires, Edward." And then he gives her a a creepy face like, "Oh, if you do like what what what." truthfully what threat does he have is he gonna turn her into a vampire what can he do true i mean what edward really has no power over bella because he's not gonna do anything to her because he's in love with her in quotes or whatever and he's not gonna turn her into a vampire because he's a he's pathetic and it doesn't realize how good he's got it he could dump, he could dump her ass some spoilers but well, that's not the only, that's... you bring up a good point. That's the only power he has over her is his absence. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she'd be better off without him. Mm-hmm. She, she wouldn't be in constant peril, like in the book, because she's around Edward. She even says, oh, Aaron, do you, you, what? You have a thought? Well, the other day I said we should watch New Moon and you were like, no, but now we're definitely going to watch New Moon because all this that you're saying, and you have more trust in Bella's ability to, well. We're definitely going to have to bring you two back for sure. I'm not done with my Alice X Bella. Uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> more things that I was going through the chapters and picking out everything that I thought, oh, click, this is chemistry between these two. They should hook up. Um, they're, and in these chapters, they were hiding out in a hotel together, being secretive with Jasper. Jasper's a non-entity. Plus, if they really wanted, thruple. Um... <laughs> When when Bella is dying, she asks Alice for help. That's, you know, that seems like maybe she'd want to ask Edward, but Edward's not very helpful with that. Um, Alice has the vision of them seeing each other as good friends. Now, good friends is Stephanie Meyer 
being like there's no such thing as a uh a non-hetero relationship but i can read between the lines <laughs> good friends lesbians um she knows that bella is going to become a vampire too because she can see the future mm. and she was right about that as we know from the books the rest of them and i know from cultural osmosis that she will become one. So Edward should get over himself and let Bella become a vampire. Um, because Edward doesn't want to, you know, have give Bella what she wants because then what then what does she what does he have over her? Um yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and Edward says that when Edward's talking with Bella about their about the vampire family. He says that uh, they love her too. They being Alice and Carlisle. Mm, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, her mom likes her. Uh, I can't remember who that was referring to. I could have been better about that note. Um, there's a the line where Bella says, I'm betting on Alice. Oh, curious. Um, the, the scene where they're preparing for the prom, I think. And Bella is talking about how she was the guinea pig Barbie to uh, Alice. And that's a theme in these books. <laughs> oh, because mm-hmm. my, my thought was like, oh, I mean, Alice is probably happy to have Bella because um, what's the other sister vampire? Rosalie. Rosalie certainly is not going to be letting Alice play dress up with her. Mm-hmm. Um but I, but when when I was when that was thinking, and even though Bella was complaining about it, I was just thinking of that meme. That's the picture of the the women sitting on on the other women's chest doing their makeup. That um, also Bella and Alice would have that like I feel like is like a classic lesbian relationship trope where it's like the princess bubblegum Marceline dynamic. And in this situation, I feel like Alice is bubblegum. Yeah, and Bella ironically would be Marceline, but it's like the yeah, the like, you know, the pink, more like uh, makeup, clothes type girlfriend, and then the kind of like broody, more goth girlfriend. Like they definitely fall into that specific little trope. I'm I'm totally on board with Team Alice, by the way. And uh, thank you. My last bit of evidence is the part where there is when the Alice refers to oh nope, sorry, Bella refers to Alice's cool hard skin as oddly comforting. Uh, and then also later, um, I think it's Edward who is telling Bella that Alice is going to be there. And then in her mind, the next test says that comforted me slightly. That's two times of being comforted by this, uh, vampire. Uh, Edward doesn't give her very much comfort. He just seems to gaslight her and, uh, watch her sleep. (sighs) Not very comforting. And anyways, I rest my case. You make a lot of good points. You Luke. do. That's so fun. Luke, you just need to really immerse yourself in Twilight culture because I feel like, okay, there are so many. It's it's not an unusual ship, the Bella <laughs> Alice thing. And it's, it's like the third option that it's like well-known, you know? It's like, fuck those guys. All Alice all the way. Um... It's just funny, all those points you bring up. They're like, yes, yes, yes. And I can't wait for you to read more, too, because uh, yeah. you like, confirm all of those things you just said. <laughs> Good. Luke, if you choose to read New Moon, which I think you should, 
I genuinely think you will like unironically maybe love that book a little bit. It is it it, yeah. it is wild. Have you seen have you seen the movie? No. You haven't seen it before? How did this miss you? Because I don't watch movies. You don't? No, not really. That's so surprising. Yeah. I introduced you to Lost Boys. I introduced you to Interview with the Vampire. Both of which you liked both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I like both of those. Good vampire flicks. Very good. I haven't seen either of them. I have going on the list immediately. Lost Boys, you said, with a vampire. Is that the, the YTT one? Uh, no, that's what we do in the shadows. Oh, like, okay. yeah. Which okay. is also great. The TV yeah. show is also better than the movie. Not that the I, movie is bad. But Luke, I started watching the TV show because of you, and it is right. it is so fucking good. It is so funny. I love it. Yes, we, I definitely Gab. Once you watch that movie, we should do an episode on it. It's a really good movie. Aaron, I'm super curious to hear what it was like revisiting the ending of this book. Like, how long has it been since you read the book? Did you find new things, or was it like a nostalgic hug? Like, what was your experience going back? Yeah, I definitely found like like crazy new things. Like the whole Al- the whole James hunting Alice and then like knowing her backstory and everything. I completely forgot about all of that. Does that ever get picked up again in any of the future books? Do they no. ever talk about it? No, Do we I- ever know how Alice feels about knowing that? Like it seems like when Bella, there's a moment in the hospital when Bella tells Edward, or maybe it's when she's like in the ballet studio. There's a moment where Bella tries to tell Edward, like, James knew Alice, like James knew her and we know what happened to her. And like, like the Edward seemed to just like not even comment on it. It was just like, I know it's like, what? I was so, especially like, I remember being obsessed with Alice as a kid, like named my cat after her. So the fact that I didn't even remember so many years later that that was like a plot in the book, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, you're not alone. I forgot all about that um, and was shocked when that happened. That was just like. Well, it's totally glossed over. And like what you said, Aaron, you, I think you said something like, does that ever come back again? Like, no, it doesn't. And you would, because like, what I mean, they they killed James at the end of this book, right? And they leave his his mate Victoria, who becomes an antagonist later on in the series. And I feel like the setting up of Alice's backstory with James here should have been like you know the first domino in the in a line of dominoes that could have been a really cool narrative payoff even if it wasn't like a main plot thing even just like a little undercurrent or something but it it literally never comes back again it's never expounded upon i don't know if they even mention it in new moon i think there's maybe like one throwaway sentence about it but it is no consequences at all yeah stephanie meyer has a really bad habit of really underserving her like minor not like like her, I feel like a lot of her female characters who aren't Bella, like, do are just there to serve the purpose of something that's bigger than them, mm-hmm. which, lame. I lame, know. Stephanie Meyer. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, my note on that backstory is uh, I found it dumb because it just sort of happens. And then I my guess is it probably would never come up again. But it's like this is a work of fiction. So I guess that is good. I guess that's like how this world is and how what Stephanie Meyer wanted to write. But uh, I, it seemed unimportant, especially knowing that it never comes up again. Well, also, Alice only brings it up herself like a chapter before James explains it. Like Bella says something, you know, I think Bella, like when it's when Bella's asking her about how you turn into a vampire, she asks her something about like her human life, like, oh, do you have to be dying or something like that? And it's only in these last four or five chapters where Alice tells Bella, I don't remember anything from my human life. Like, I all I remember is darkness and that I was a vampire. And so it's not even like this seed that's planted in the beginning of the book. It literally, like, happens. And then, like, 35 pages later, James is like, you know that information Alice just gave you? <laughs> I can give some backstory on that. It is just, like, so strange and I guess the one interesting thing that it offers is that we learn that Alice was basically a me- a medium or not a medium like a future seer like she had like premonition as a human and was <laughs> imprisoned in an asylum during her entire life um so lots of backstory that yeah never really gets like spoiler alert but never really gets expanded on or has any real consequences um yeah i always forget that part when i reread this book that's my favorite way to read a fantasy book filled with uh unimportant information with no consequence yes absolutely if it doesn't have an impact on bella and edward's love why do we care that's (laughs) what stephanie meyer said while writing this book (laughs) other than the big alice revelation everything else pretty much lined up with my memory um, I feel like I was ready to read it and just like rip it to shreds for how horribly it's written. And then I found myself really kind of diving back into that like nostalgic period of my life where I like really loved it. And I actually had a really good time reading these last couple of chapters. And I like every other sentence. I'm like, God, that's so stupid. But I'm just like loving it the whole time. <laughs> it's like, yes, this is great. Um, so I had a good, I had a good reread of, I didn't read the whole book like Luke did. I was shocked when Luke texted me. L- literally, I just mentioned offhand to them like, oh, Gabby mentioned like um, that they want us to be on the last episode of the podcast and read the end of the book. And then two days later, Luke's like, I finished the book. And I had no idea they were even reading it or anything. I was shocked. Um, I did not reread the whole book. I just reread these chapters. But uh, Yeah. I, I had a good time. It, I always have to remind myself, or I don't know, maybe remind isn't the right word, but I catch myself like remembering when I'm reading a book like Twilight that it's like a book can be good even if it doesn't have that classic like literary value or even if it's just like fluffy. It's like that doesn't take away from how entertaining or fun or significant it is in your life. Um. I have to remember that because it's so easy to shit on for people to shit on Twilight because of how it's written. And it's like, we all do it. I've done it. Absolutely. On this podcast, even. Uh, And it's just kind of a fun part that you accept about them. It's like, yeah, you know, I know that this book, uh, this uh, 
you know, this, this book is what it is. You bring up something I've been thinking about a lot lately and Luke and Aaron, I don't know how often y'all like, like read for fun. Um, reading for fun is hard because it takes a lot of time. Um, but I, I mean, like, obviously I've been reading this book this year, but I've really gotten back into reading this year. And um, something I've been thinking about a lot is like, because I read a lot of fantasy and I read a lot of romance. And I've been thinking about, and especially with this book with Twilight, it's like, how do, how can we like engage with literature that you know is like, like this book, Twilight, not only is it like kind of poorly written, but it also has like some genuinely kind of like scary, harmful character depictions in it that I certainly couldn't see for what it was when I was 12 reading with this for the first time. Like I was just like in love with Edward. I just wanted my vampire boyfriend. But now at like almost 27 years old, rereading this, it's like, oh shit, this is like genuinely potentially very harmful for like young audiences and I've just been thinking a lot about like how do we how do I consume literature that is potentially harmful or problematic while still like being able to like what you said Gabby like to me like Twilight is like a page turner like this is something that I can like pick up and read almost as like putting on a comfort show the same thing to me basically like I could pick up and read 100 pages in Twilight in like an hour and it's like it's like putting on an old movie for me and so this is kind of off topic from like the content of the book but that's just something I've been like thinking about recently and yeah Erin what you said and Gabby what you said just kind of got me thinking about that yeah been thinking a lot because I listened to this podcast a lot because I was obsessed with Twilight as a kid. So I love listening to you guys like go over all the chapters and stuff. But I find myself thinking a lot about the romantic trope of Edward, the like older, dangerous, handsome, kind of mean guy. And that him being seen through the lens of like this woman protagonist. And there's this book I actually recommended to Gabby that I read this summer because I also just graduated and have been like getting back into reading for fun now that I don't have to read for class all the time. And I read this book called Rebecca. Have you read it, Erin? I've heard of it. Do you recommend you recommend it? I do recommend it. I think both of you would really like it because it is very it very heavily reminded me of Twilight. And it was written in like the 1930s. I was just about to say, isn't it like a classic lit? book for some reason I thought that it was a supernatural book and I don't know if it's a spoiler to say that it's not but it's not it's not a supernatural book I thought there was going to be like ghosts or like vampires or something just from like the cover I was like this looks spooky and it is spooky and it is very creepy um but spoiler alert it's it's a realistic book like nothing out of the ordinary happens um but it's very, very good. But it's a very similar dynamic of like a very young girl. I don't think she ever, it, I don't think she ever says how old she is. And she for sure never says what her name is because I looked it up. I was like, did I read it earlier and forget? It's first person from her perspective, but no one, you never find out what her first name is. In the first couple of chapters, she gets married to this man that she meets. Um, and then she just starts going by his last name, Mrs. Win- Mrs. De Winter. Um, and it's like, 
this book details the relationship and it's basically it's it's this edward it's literally like the edward prototype and i think about that a lot like i wonder where that like kind of trope came from because i wonder as a kid like when i fell in love with edward you know like my mm-hmm. first time watching the movie or reading the book i don't remember which one i did first um was it just was there something about the character that i as a little girl like fell head over heels with or was it like cultural stuff that i had grown up with that mm-hmm. had like raised me to want that kind of man does mm-hmm. that make sense like yes I, it, it's really like a chicken and the egg situation for me and i can't yeah. figure it out and it drives me wild um yeah yes yes it's like <laughs> so much to unpack with that kind of question in this book um yeah i think that i don't know if there could be like a trace necessarily like origin but you're so right aaron that there is like this is an extremely popular character archetype even like now today um oh my god i read Literally, it is, like, okay, I read 50 books this year, which I'm pretty proud of, and by and large, the worst book I read, which was, like, so highly recommended to me, like, across social media, was this romance novel called Flock, and I was just, like, fucking flabbergasted when I finished this book. I, like, literally couldn't believe how bad it was, and the main, it was a romance novel, it was like it was like smut, you know, and like my like realm of judgment shifts slightly when I know I'm reading like erotica basically. Um, but like the main character archetype of like the main love interest was this like insanely protective, overprotective, stalker-ish, um, highly misogynistic, like easy to anger, ready to tussle man. And I'm just like wow, this really is, like, kind of the heteronormative or one of the heteronormative, like, extremely popular romantic, like, coupling tropes is this, like, more kind of virginal, um, you know, maybe a little bit naive young woman. And then, yeah, this, like, very easy to anger, overprotective um, man. It, it and, and, yeah, I don't know where it comes from because, yeah, like, I totally loved Edward when I read this book for the first time. Um, And now, obviously, like, as an adult, I can look at it and be like, if I met this dude, like, in the bar or, like, in my class, I'd be like, guys, don't talk to Edward. Like, he's fucking weird. He will, like, not stop texting. Like, I would literally warn people off of this dude. And so it's just really, like, yeah, it is, like, deeply fascinating and a little bit disturbing where it's like, Yes, you know, in, like, especially, like, in romance novels, like, there is a level of fantasy, and people should be able to, like, indulge in those fantasies, but also, at the same time, be able to separate the fantasy from the reality, right? Like, yeah. I don't know where that comes from. I think, I I, I couldn't even, like, wage a guess as to why people respond so strongly to it. It it just feels like it takes this reality that a lot of like people and just historically women have experienced with this having to be like subservient and Mm -hmm. you know not being able to own a own property or have a credit card 
even until like what was it like the 70s that like women were finally able to have a, a credit card um it's like interesting that there's that reality and then yeah, it's totally mirrored and heightened in the fantasy land where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't need a man to take care of your money, although they will do that. You need a man to literally protect your life. And it's like, yeah. And I think I just think it is so important, again, that we're revisiting it because we've already had this conversation. Um, and unfortunately, when I was 17, I definitely would have fallen for Edward in my real life if he were the kind of guy who I was around um and it's you know it's just even a couple you know it's been eight years now since I was 17 and so much has changed and it's yeah it's just so interesting how that fantasy like doesn't it's not upheld necessarily as we've like grown Mm -hmm. although for some people I'm I'm sure it is um Mm -hmm. I'm sure I talk to some other 25 year old and they'd be like I love it. You know, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun tidbit that I think I already told you, Gabby. Um, well, Luke and I are obsessed with Taylor Swift because we're smart and we have good taste. Yes. Um, indeed. Mm-hmm. And I actually, after reading the book, Rebecca, like I had no idea. I read the book first. I was looking up stuff about this book because I was like, I need to know what other people think about this book. Like, what's going on here? And I found on the Wikipedia page on, like, references or, like, quotations or something, it was like, oh, Taylor Swift wrote a song about this book. And I was like, what? And I looked it up. And in an interview, the song Tolerate It on Evermore was inspired by this book. So if you have an idea of, like, what the relationship is like in Evermore, I mean, in Rebecca, um, (laughs) uh, I think, like, Taylor Swift definitely takes, like, the song is definitely towards that, like, that point of, like, high conflict, but it's this girl that's just, like, head over heels for this older man that they, and they end up getting married, and it's just, like, the way he treats her is just heartbreaking, because she just loves him and is just doing her best. And of course, like, he has money, she has no money. And so she's trying to get used to this mm. life of like, you know, like standards and stuff that she doesn't understand how it works. And she feels just like totally out of the loop. And so like, I don't know, I love that song. I was totally blown away when I found out Taylor Swift wrote that song from that book. I was just like, whoa. So. Dude, that is my favorite song on Evermore. I have to That's- read this book now. You have yep. to read it now. There's a really, really good twist in the middle of the book that Ooh. I think makes it look worth it. Ooh. Yeah. They also, we talked about this, I think, Erin, and I can't remember if it ended up being true, but I think it, it did, that this book was source material for Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca, which is one yes. of his more like popular movies. I do not think we talked about that. Oh, sorry. Erin Smith. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's happening. <laughs> okay. What I want to know is, Luke, since this is your first time reading this book, um, we already know that you're Team Alice and you gave a lot of really compelling evidence for your argument that will be taken into consideration. We will be sending it to Stephanie Meyer so that we can see kind of what happens from there. Yeah. Um, but I want to know, like... Reading the ending of this book and reading the book for the first time, 
what were you most invested in? I mean, I know that you had seen the movie already, so you kind of knew how it was going to end. But, like, what moments were you feeling, like, engaged with? And what moments were you feeling, like, super bored? Like, I'm just so invested in, like, other people's first reaction to this book because it's been in my life for, like, 15 years. And so I would love if there was any, yeah, any moments that you found yourself, like, really engaged by. Um... Let's see. Uh, I'm like I, deeply disturbed by because Stephanie Meyer is like a freak. Uh, for some of my notes on the last chapter, one thing that I did like is that the excuse for Bella almost being murdered by, by a vampire is that they say she like fell down a flight of stairs. Two. Two flights of stairs. Through a window. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, is very funny. And, I mean, if Aaron, my partner Aaron, was almost killed by a vampire and I needed to cover it up, that would be a pretty good excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I wish, I wish we got a bit more of uh, them killing James because I like character death in my books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, want, I just want more of that. I think more books and more media should have character death. I think authors uh, either are cowards or just don't know how to write. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that I liked about it, um, it was quick to read. That was nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a quick to read. True. I, I, while reading it, I, it certainly is not the kind of thing that I would go out of my way to read. Because uh, I think that teen romance is just not a genre that I'm really into, especially written by Stephanie Meyer. Like, if I'm going to read romance, it's just going to be smut. Like, if I'm being honest, I'm just going to go look for smut or like uh, weird paranormal romance stuff if, if I'm really looking for that. Like, weird paranormal romance stuff. Um, other parts that I liked... I like, uh, I like, um, what's Bella's dad? What's his name? Charlie. Charlie. He seems just. Charlie Cullen. That's, that's his name. That's, yeah, that's his name. Uh, he seems just like a, you know, just a, a guy living his life. Which, yeah, I appreciate in these, like, bad, uh, teen media things. Like that, where there's just like an like an earnest dad character who is like not too important but is around, like like um, like the dad, like the like the the I almost said the gay dad in Glee, the not gay dad in Glee, the the dad of the gay characters dad, uh, like you know, just sort of like an earnest Bert Hummel, yeah, and an, Bert, that's right. <laughs> I saw this thing on, um, Jesus, where was it? It must have been on TikTok, um, where someone was like, Charlie was like the most, like, unbothered, accepting character, like, in these books. Like, his daughter, like, disappears for a couple days, and then she's like, oh man, I fell down some stairs and out a window, and he's like, mm-hmm. Yep, that checks out for sure. And just, like, is completely, like, she's like, oh, my boyfriend can, like, every time it's sunny, she's like, oh, my boyfriend's out of town. And he's like, yeah, sure, that, okay. Like, he does not want to, like, 
he's not even trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. He's just, like, trying to not, like, I don't know, to, like, keep his daughter alive. But not even that. He doesn't do anything. He literally doesn't do anything. Yeah. And speaking of that, at the end, when uh, Bella's in the hospital and Edward is being a creep there with her, uh, they're talking and she's like, oh, uh, she is, is she correct in her how she would expect her parents to react to her becoming vamped? I, let, let me pull it up because I I know because uh, she's there and she says something about her parents' reaction if she became a vampire and I want to know if that's even true because that's the only thing that she brought up. Well, Bella brings up of why not to be a vampire because otherwise she brings up a lot of good points, including the fact that. She is constantly in peril, and as a vampire, she would be in much less peril. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah, while you're looking for that, Luke, I, I definitely found myself thinking during this reread, um, because as our listeners know, I often skip the end of this book. I don't love the end of this book. Um, but rereading the end of this book this time, like, Edward should have just let the venom spread. Exactly. Right? Yes, I agree. Yeah, it, it's such a weird, it's 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 such a strange like plot point, and I could tell, I could definitely tell like from I'm thinking from like a writing standpoint that when Stephanie was like drafting this book, when she was like making the abstract, she was thinking like, okay, the whole thing is going to be about, like, predator and prey and impulses and nature, nature versus, like, nurture, essentially, and Edward fighting his nature as a vampire to not kill Bella, the most tempting blood he's ever been around. And she knew, I can just tell that she knew from the beginning of this story that she wanted it to end with Edward having to, like, somehow taste her blood and then stop. And I'm just like... Okay, that's cool, but also it makes no sense. Like, he should have just let her turn. And then all of the other books, like, would have never happened. It would have been so easy. Yeah, that's super interesting. I was thinking about that earlier today because they specifically have these moments where it's, like, in my mind, it'd be like, okay, well, like, anybody in theory could save Bella or anybody in that room could, you know, also make the choice to not save her and let let the venom spread and it's really interesting to me that they all defer to edward and they're like no it has to be you who like sucks out the venom it can only be you i'm like okay but you just decided that like there's no reason why it has to be edward other than like they're the fated couple right and get there all, like and it like it puts a lot of responsibility too where it's like if it fails, then he carries the burden of, of her death. If he actually, like goes too far and drains her blood, or he carries the burden of resentment if he's not able to get all the venom out, or, you know, it's, it feels like either way, it's just like, well, at least if she dies, Edward won't be mad at us. He can't blame anyone but himself. Like, I, it's such an interesting thing. I, I actually made a note about it when I read it because I I don't I read I watched the movie recently with Luke like a few months ago, but I still get nervous I'm gonna like quote it and it's not gonna be right. But um I feel like in the movie it's like Carlisle and Edward over Bella as the venom is like going through her body and Carlisle is like 
you need to do it. Like, it has to be you. And it's not, they don't really elaborate on that. But in the book, to Stephanie Meyer's credit, she actually, there's a line where Carlisle says, you need to do it because if you're going to, like, suck the venom out, I need to stop this wound on her head. And, like, I'm the only one that can like has the medical expertise to know how to do that so like if you're going to take blood out of her from this source i need to be stopping the wound from this source i actually made a note of that because i was like you know watching the movie it does always seem like they're like she's your girlfriend dude like (laughs) come on come on i'm i'm glad you brought that up because i totally missed that detail when i was listening it's still uh, a very, I, don't, it, I don't say that to negate any of the points brought up, though, because it does seem like a very flimsy just thrown in there. Um, but I feel like uh, Edward very co- easily could have just, like, held a towel on her head while Carlisle did it, but it's fine. <laughs> You're telling me that in all of his, he's been a vampire for a hundred years, and he's been living with Carlisle for most of that, and he's never once been, like, Hey, Carlisle, do you want to show me how to, like, do stitches? Like, life would get boring. Like, you would need to have some fucking hobbies apart from, like, going to school and pep rallies and prom all the time. Like, I I just watched the movie, like, two days ago because I just read this book. And I was like, hmm, I'll watch the movie. Um, Thank you. And I got to that part when yeah he was like it's literally just carlisle's just like holding bella's head and he's just like edward it has to be you and he's like carlisle and then he just sucks all the venom out and then it goes to the next scene there's no explanation it's also weird because in the movie you see him like like going crazy you know like sucking the blood out of her hand and his like eyes roll back and he you can tell he's like having a great time and carlisle has to be like edward stop edward stop you're killing her edward stop but in the book, that doesn't happen. Like, it doesn't describe that at all. And then I think the only thing mentioned about it is once she's in the hospital, Edward is like, I can't believe I was able to stop. And it's like, okay, but you did. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I was thinking about this while Luke mentioned uh, feeling robbed at the lack of like detail about James's death. And I do like that in the movies, we get to see what is going on from outside of Bella's perspective. But I guess in the books, it makes sense that we don't get any of that because her perspective is just, I'm dying. Um, And that's it. So she doesn't know. She's not watching James. She's not watching or really, you know, she's dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would be very hard, I would assume, to like recall any of that information. But we're robbed as readers by getting absolutely no detail of it. I'm like, this book should not be in first person. <laughs> Let's get a third no. person <laughs> book. That's interesting that you bring that up, Gabby, because when we think about, like, the danger that this book has on, like, young audiences, like, I have no idea if Stephanie Meyer wrote this book and was like, I want young girls to read this and become infatuated with Edward. Like, we don't know if that was, like, her motive or not. But it does, like, making Bella the POV does really lend itself to getting young girls really invested in this book. And I think a lot of other vampire content, like True Blood. I remember my mom showed me Interview with the Vampire when I was like 
pretty young, but it was because I was pretty obsessed with Twilight. My mom was like, well, you like vampires? Like, let's watch this. And I remember liking it, but like being way more afraid of it than I was with Twilight. Mm -hmm. There's something about Twilight that takes something dangerous like vampires, but like makes it palatable to younger audiences that kind of makes it like really unhealthy for kids to learn about. Yeah, it's just interesting that you brought up Bella's POV keeps us from the more like violent parts of the book. Yes. Well, I mean, not only because at certain times she's incapacitated, but also because she's such an unreliable narrator and is so out of touch with her surroundings that she herself does not even perceive this danger that anybody else who is observing the situation would immediately sense. But she is so disconnected from that and has, it's so interesting because James literally has, he quotes, he says, some of you seem to have no sense of your own self-interest at all. Talking about Mm -hmm. human, he's like making fun of her. And it's like, yeah, Bella is absolutely one of them. She has no sense of her own self-interest. Everything she does is about these last few chapters are really heartbreaking for me and when she's talking about her emotional control and just like how a 17 year old girl has like mastered her ability to like dissociate essentially and shove it all away for the benefit of her parents sorry I hate Renee I could talk about it forever it always comes back to this (laughs) you know we're at the end of the book we need we need to talk about Renee again I think yeah it's just so Bella's POV, it just, it, you get, you don't get any of it. It's sanitized because of, of the perspective it's coming from. Found the quote. Uh, it's, they're in the hospital and uh, Edward's being pissy and he's like, Charlie and Renee. And then she has to think for a bit. And she says, look, that's not an issue either. I finally muttered. My voice is, un- etc. Renee has always made the choices that work for her. <gasps> want me to do the same period and charlie's resilient he's used to being on his own i can't take of them forever i have to own i, I have my own life too <clears throat> and then yeah is is that is that how they react when they find out that she's been vamped is she is she correct even though that she renee, says that she's lying renee never fucking finds out ever yeah we don't get to see renee's reaction um if any. and okay. charlie he, he doesn't really, I mean, spoiler for Breaking Dawn, it's, it's kind of revealed to him in a, like, need-to-know thing. So he doesn't really know the details, but he knows that something's up. But he's accepting and is like, I want to be around my kid. And he doesn't really right. ask questions. He's like, yeah. if this is need-to-know. Yeah, not- they basically tell him that, like, supernatural beings exist. And he sees that, like, Bella looks different, she's acting different, and she also has this, like child who be- went from being an infant to As being like seven years old within a couple months um and he's just kind of like like throughout breaking dawn he yeah what gabby said like the need to know he'll just keep being like do i need to know this and bella's like no and he's like well as long as you're still in my life yeah okay that's his whole vibe okay I, that makes sense can i also say something about I wanted to talk about this when we were talking about the falling down the stairs. Because, uh, Luke, you said it's a great cover-up. It's very funny. Yes. And I just, I was also kind of mad and surprised. And this is, like, getting really dark. But it's so shocking to me that none of the adults in Bella's life and none of these hospital staff members were, like, 
this young woman broke up with her boyfriend who then followed her to Phoenix where she met him at his hotel. And then suddenly she fell down two flights of stairs and out a window. And it was shocking to me that not, I mean, it's not shocking because it's from Stephanie Meyer's perspective, but in our world that we live in, it's just like not a single adult except Billy Black was like, that is not what happened. And he's not, you know, saying Edward did it, but no one picks up on the fact that this is like, could so strongly and potentially, like all the evidence points to this being like a domestic violence situation, even though it was vampires. But I'm just like, literally nobody in this girl's life is helping her or even paying attention. Renee never asks either. Like if if I ended up in the hospital and my mom came to like find me i was just like every bone broken just like couldn't move and this this same situation had happened even though like someone would have told my mom the story of yeah she fell down two flights of stairs and then out a window the first thing my mom would have asked when i woke up would have been what happened like Mm -hmm. let me hear your side of the story like what was going on and she renee never asks bella like what happened renee renee literally and i quote says Try to be more careful when you walk, honey. I don't want to lose you. That is what yeah. she said. And I'm just yeah, like, you are on, you are on some big brain shit right now. Why did I never fucking think of this? Oh my God. This is like a true crime podcaster's feast. Like, oh, really? She broke up with her boyfriend and then she fell down the it is so flimsy. Like, you would think that these vampires would be better at concocting, like, cover stories. And you know what? This is a, like, we've talked about this in the past, but I suspect that the Colons have some, like, glamoring abilities. Like, this is a huge thing in True Blood for anyone who watches True Blood, where, like, they quite literally can hypnotize someone to, like, believe them and I feel like the Colons must have some some level of that even if it's just like I don't know sometimes when you talk to a really hot person you're just like holy shit like you can't even like function because they're so fucking hot and so I feel like that must be what Stephanie Meyer is implying but yeah who in their right mind would believe this like Charlie is supposed to be a cop like well, <laughs> well, I mean, he's also small. Maybe now. that part he doesn't care. <laughs> but I never thought about that. It is such a laughably flimsy story. It just bothers me. I just get mad for for Bella. I'm like filled with righteous anger at this the fact that no one is protecting this girl, <laughs> and she needs it. You know. She needs it. She's a 17-year-old girl who's in really dangerous circumstances and no one and I and I like consider the Cullens to be part of that. You know, I'm not yeah. saying like oh, the Cullens should protect her. No, they are the dangerous circumstance and no one else is protecting her. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Renee has clearly messed with Bella's psyche like all throughout her life. I was noticing in their conversation at the hospital. Um, I wrote down these two quotes at two different moments. She says, at one point she says, that's something a teenage girl might say. Like, I think when Bella's talking about like liking Edward, yeah, but then at another that. point she says, you're so young, Bella. And I feel like that totally informs Bella's opinion of herself as like, 
Bella totally sees herself as, like, more mature than her parents. And, like, she thinks of herself as an adult, just kind of, like, trapped in the body of this young person. Um, Especially when she thinks of, like, well, I need to be changed into a vampire right now because I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to get – if I don't die tomorrow, I'm going to get old and die. So she's, like, very much, like, thinks of of herself as older than she is. But then at the same time, like, at, at different points, like, her mom and Edward will, like, infantilize her. So it's really just, like, picking and choosing how they want to treat Bella. Like, at certain times, she's old enough to know what she's doing. So Renee doesn't have to be responsible for what she's doing. And at other times, she's a young girl that has no idea what she's supposed to be doing. And that's why she needs to be protected. And it's like, yeah, hmm, what's oh, happening here? You just remind me of a, a moment between Renee and Bella, too, that I just lost my mind over. Um they're talking in the hospital and this is Bella has said that she wants to move there, stay in Forks and Renee is kind of like not buying it. And like gives her kind of like a soft lecture, you know, about like, like, is it about this boy? And Bella says like, this is not a direct quote. This was my note about it, but it says like Bella essentially is like, this is the first time since I was eight that she sounded like a parental authority I recognize the tone from conversations I've had with her about men she's dated. Bella literally specifically says, I, my mom is telling me the same thing that I have told her about the men in her life. Like, this is the first time since I was eight that I've heard her talk to me like a child. Wow. It's just like, and things like quotes like that just like slip under the radar, you know? But it's like, this is so deeply unhealthy. And I, like cannot forget about it because it is so deeply embedded in this story. This just like toxic parental child like dynamic. Maybe that's why she's into Edward because Edward's like both of her parents combined because he's both emotionally abusive and emotionally distant. <laughs> I yes. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Not just Stephanie. So a healthy person would not be into Edward. Like <laughs> Sorry, it's fact. I think there's so much to be said for, like, yeah, thinking about her age because, listen, at risk of sounding like the oldest person on planet Earth, like, Bella is really young in this story, and I, as rereading this now at the point in my life that I'm at, I have found myself thinking, like, and obviously it's, like, fucking fiction, so who cares? But I do find myself thinking, like, what what would have happened if Bella in New Moon, which, spoiler, Luke, Edward breaks up with her, what would have happened if he had stayed away for, like, five years? Like, what if Bella had, like, become a 22, 23, 24-year-old without him nearby? Like, I, I, she is just so incredibly young in this story. And I feel like it is so, like, not even, in like, implicitly, it's explicitly predatory because one of the major themes of this book is like predator versus prey 
And yet we're not like Stephanie Meyer is not highlighting like the very real predatory nature of being a hundred plus year old person <laughs> and entering into a romantic sexual relationship with a 17 year old. Like Gross. It makes me really sad. It makes me really sad. Like I don't know. Gabby, you said earlier, like, if you were, you at 17 would have, like, totally fallen in love with Edward and, like, same. Fucking same. Like, 100%. Yeah, I would have fallen in love with Edward, no joke, probably until I was, like, 23 and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty recently that I, like, that's not well, well, if I mean, if he keeps you fucking isolated in his forest mansion, like, you're gonna set me up in a forest mansion? Okay. okay. that house that house from the movie specifically uh oh my gosh yeah the real fantasy of this book for me is like the financial security and the nice house in the in the olympic peninsula area that is a fantasy um yeah i don't know (laughs) and with with that also the the the, when when they're in the back to the uh hospital and they wake up and bella wakes up and edward's moping in the corner and he's like you don't smell the same it's like what the fuck you literally just saved her life and you're complaining that the hospital is not letting her die Get over yourself. And then he makes her apologize for almost, for being tricked by a vampire and then almost being killed. Get over yourself, Edward. Edward needs more trauma in his life. So he just completely seals himself away and just runs away forever, never to bother anyone again. That is my chance. It's true. Yeah. Oh my God, Luke. Yes. He literally says, you don't smell the same. Oh, you oh you smell funny. Bitch, she had to get blood transfusions because of you. Because yeah. you sucked her blood out, you, you nasty boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You nasty boy. He is nasty, and it pains me to say that because... I love Robert Pattinson so much. Like, I don't really like love a lot of celebrities. I love Robert Pattinson a lot. And that's such a smart casting because now I love Edward. But he's bad. He's a bad boy. He's bad and nasty. And he is a gaslighter to the end. To the very end, he is gaslighting this poor girl. Oh, There's so, I don't know why this train of thought made me come to this, but yeah. in the epilogue, when they go to prom, <laughs> why are they so fucking mean to Tyler? Oh, like, do either of you have, do, uh, do any, any three of you have knowledge from chapters I didn't recently read of like why they are just so happy that Tyler was stood up for prom? Something that I'm assuming Bella said she was going to go to with. 
I don't know. They're gleeful about it in the car. Okay. Like the fact okay. that he showed up to Charlie's house and was like, is, oh, I'm going to pick up Bella for the prom. He just kind of decided he was going to take her, right? This is what happened. This is what happened. Okay. Tyler asked her to the girl's choice, like the Sadie Hawkins dance. That's right. And she's like, um, isn't it girl's choice? And he's like, oh, yeah, ha, ha. And she's like, well, I'm out of town anyway, so sorry. And he goes, okay, well, there's always prom. And then Bella goes, yeah. And Tyler takes that as, I'm going to prom with Bella Swan. So Tyler's an idiot, right? Like, 100%. Super dumb. Like, okay, I need insight from you three because where I went to high school, it prom was like a big fucking deal. Like the months leading up to prom was like coordinating like your group. Like we had like groups and you would meet up at someone's house or like somewhere picturesque, like six hours before prom and take a bunch of photos and then you'd all go to dinner and you'd have to arrange transportation it was like a whole fucking thing and yeah. i had to arrange with my date like corsages and boutonnieres and colors so i was just utterly flabbergasted in this chapter that tyler thought he was taking her to prom because i'm like in what universe do you just like show up to someone's house and you're like I'm here to take your daughter to prom. Like, is this a thing? I doubt it. I mean, I don't know if in a place small like Forks, they didn't really care. But I have the same exact experience as you, Erin. I feel like that that totally changes my perspective on it. Like, I would probably be like, if a guy did that to me, I was already on my way with my date. Um... Doesn't the school know that they're dating? Or is that just in the movie? Doesn't the school know that they're, like, together? Because there's that scene in the movie where they show up. And I know it's not in the same place as the book. But now I don't know if the book has that scene where they show up and they're an item. I don't remember. Yeah. That that, that has that. Because that's when he he puts... Wait, are you talking about in the book or in the movie? Sorry, I misheard your question, I think. So in the movie, there's that scene, you know, they're playing that song. I used to listen to the Twilight Sands. He does that. Um, um, There's like that, they play that song and they're walking down the hallway and I think everyone's wearing like sunglasses. And and they're like playing that song. It's like you find out that Edward and Bella are like a thing. They're dating and the whole school knows they're like boyfriend, girlfriend. But I don't know if that happened. What I'm asking, I don't know. And I know in the book that it, it doesn't happen in the spot. It happens in the movie. But I can't remember if it actually even happens at all in the book. So the chain of events in the book is Saturday, meadow day, sunlight, kissing, fainting, spend the night. Next morning, Sunday, go see family, colon family at the house. At the house, Alice, on Sunday, it's going to storm tonight. We should play baseball. Sunday night, they play baseball, drive to Phoenix, get an accident, wake up in hospital. 
So, time jump to the epilogue prom. I have to assume between returning from Phoenix and prom, which was like at least a couple weeks, they have to be public. I don't think it's like explicitly said, but they have to be, right? Yeah, so it's, we talked about this when this happened, because I, I remember specifically when we were doing the, the podcast episode that covered those chapters where that would have happened. I remember us talking about how it did not happen, and how in the movie <laughs> they had the whole scene with the, because I'm going to hell, ha ha ha, where he puts his arm around her and they're walking the parking lot. Yes. No, that does not happen in the book. But... A ton of other stuff happens in the book that, like, means they're a couple. You know, like, mm-hmm. like they are what, like, like all the stuff with Port Angeles and them like driving together and like them seeing each other or them like being together at lunch. That's like yeah. a big thing where they're like suddenly like eating lunch together every day, and her friends are like, <laughs> okay. Uh, so there are all these little things like that that are happening, but there's not like a big sudden like reveal it's like a soft drop you know Indeed. If I, I think I'm correct because I remember us talking about it you okay. are correct I don't feel as bad about Tyler then I just was really caught off guard by them in the car like just being really like for the amount of Bella the amount that Bella like self-sacrifices herself for the sake of other people for them to just be like really happy that this guy Tyler looked like a fool at her dad's house I was just really thrown off I was like whoa these well, seem like the school bullies a little bit but that makes sense Tyler kind of seems like maybe not yeah. that great person well also when they're in the car talking at one point Bella gets really mad and Edward thinks it's funny and is laughing because he can hear all the thoughts of everyone around them and he's like Tyler is telling everybody that he's going to prom with you and Bella's mm-hmm. pissed she's like that's not what I said like I'm right. mad. and so there is a moment in the book earlier where they have that kind of acknowledgement between the two of them so I guess it's just like a call back to that They're like this is the one thing we bond over <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we laughed about this? Ha ha ha. So um, I do think Edward is like overly weird about it. He has a line where he's like on the phone. He's like, hello, Tyler. Bella is engaged tonight. In fact, she'll be engaged for all nights moving forward. Bye-bye. And then like snaps the phone shut. And I'm like, Edward. Gross like 108 years old like grow up that was that was weird um also i love that bella okay so let's everyone let's just picture this for a second let's picture how dumb bella is alice is like ring ring hey girl it's a Saturday, come over, I'm going to do your hair and makeup and put you in a gown. And Bella's like, all right. And she goes over, she gets made up, made over, whatever. And then Edward shows up in a tux and he takes her, probably gives her a corsage. It's a whole thing. And she thinks, taking <laughs> her to somewhere <laughs> to bite her. And inject her full of venom to turn her in, which will take three days 
to turn her into a vampire. And Bella is just like in her little prom dress in the passenger seat, like, <laughs> yes! like so excited to go get turned into a vampire. And I'm like, you didn't think to like, like you suspect that you are literally being taken to a vampiric turning ceremony in this 2008 ruffled prom dress. And your thought doesn't even go to like, oh, wait, can I, what did you tell my dad? Like, what's our alibi? Like, she's just ready. She's so ready. And I just cannot even fathom. And Edward even has a line where he's like, oh, you thought that would be a black tie event. And she's like, um, I don't know. And honestly, I would go to a black tie vampire turning ceremony. Like, I would go to that. Yeah. Yeah. Dressed up. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. Part of me feels like I kind of like if you're the person being turned, though, don't you want to like not have and not be dolled up at all? Because then you're going to like be magically, you know, like in the movie, how you see her like turning hot. (laughs) I think her, how her skin and her whole body like inflates. It's like they're blowing up like a a doll. She's suddenly like. Yes. Yes. So it's like the before and after trends that you see on like TikTok and stuff. Like, I just think it's funny. But a black tie vampire event, I would wholeheartedly attend. Yes. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny that that's what she thought was happening. And instead she went to like a casino night themed prom in Forks, Washington. I do like that at the prom she made the joke to uh, Midnight Mass everyone. I think that's how the book should have ended. I think they should have been like, yeah, fuck this high school. Kill everyone here. Blood. Yeah. I, oh my God, Luke, you just like pitched a great movie. Thank a you. teenage vampire love story that ends in mass murder. Yeah. Honestly, wow. And you'll be turning. That would be really fun. I'd watch the show out of that. Yeah, it's, it's like, it like Carrie, but with the vampire. Twilight meets Carrie. That's exactly what I was thinking this whole time. Wow. Yeah, I would, I would watch slash read that. That would be really, really fun. Yeah, I think it, it works because, you know, they're always talking about how much they love blood. This would be the perfect opportunity. Uh, and because there there's a there's a really bad musical that i watched that was in german and had to do with vampires but it's it's sort of like a it's sort of like a dracula where it's uh some pathetic little twink and an old man have to go rescue a woman who's being uh kidnapped by dracula and at the end of the movie of course at the end of the movie there's a like our three heroes have left vamp dracula's castle and the old man is singing a song. And then on stage, you see the woman kill the guy and just, like, attack him and, like, drink all of his blood. And then the show ends. And it's like, that's great. That's great. That's how I want my media to end. Just carnage. Luke and Aaron, do you, do you two watch Castlevania ever? I have not. But it's on the it's on the short list. I just watched the first... Okay, because season one has, like, four episodes? 
Yeah, it's short. Mm-hmm. I think I watched the first three the other day. I know I didn't watch the whole thing. I can't remember if I watched the first two or the first three. I think I watched the first three the other day. They're yeah. Watch good. It's, y'all, it is really fucking good. Season four came out this year, which I think is like kind of the end of at least this cast of characters. Luke, especially you, like I... I can't believe I didn't like message you about it or something, but it is like vampires, lesbians, like everything you could ever want. It's really fucking good. Character death, blood. Perfect. You should watch it. Should watch it. It's really good. And Aaron, you should keep watching it. It's great. I was just thinking about that. Um, What else happens in these chapters that we haven't talked about yet? Talked about the hospital. We talked about... James's creepy video. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, props to the props to James for at least you know it's it's the thematic's not the word, but he's got a he's he's got a nice little uh, set. You know, they got all the mirrors around in the in the uh, ballet, ballet studio. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he, he's a, he's a horrible murderer with vision, and that's all that I can ask for. Aaron a- and everybody also. <laughs> just a few we you know a few episodes ago i don't remember which one it was but we were trying to figure out who in twilight was the theater major james james, james. it's james it's james honestly james is um, making a little comp <laughs> james is making a little comp in there okay um i am sad that James died in this book. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Victoria as a villain. Um, I think she's fantastic. I don't love that her motivation is to, like, avenge James. Um, but I would have been very fascinated and, like, engaged to see James. Because, like, they talk a lot about how good James is at, like, tracking and, like playing these little games and stuff like that. And I would have liked to see him be smart. Like, I feel like we saw him be smart with the uh, home video trickster business, but I definitely would have, I would have loved to watch him like develop as a villain um, and continue to like use his like, you know, supernatural tracking skills to, to continue to terrorize the colons or whatever. Yeah, I would have loved that too. Especially mm-hmm. because Victoria, like, she has absolutely zero development as a villain. Like, she's a villain the moment we meet her, and then she's a villain just because of James. And, like, I don't think she gets any development. Even with all the Riley business, it's like... Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, like- when we get to Eclipse, I have things to say. I also still am just upset that they recast her in the movies. Like, sorry, Bryce. I've said it before, but, like, why? The original Victoria is so good. I love her. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Luke and Aaron, are there anything, is there anything from the reading that, like, we haven't talked about yet or stuff that you wanted to elaborate on? This is kind of a fast and loose episode, so whatever. Or, in, or Luke, anything from, like, the book that is coming up? Anything at all? I mean, I think I shared 
all my my notes on the book. But overall, I think my main takeaway is uh, when my you know supernatural fantasy uh, media that I consume is written for children. It's not as interesting because there isn't. It's not as horrible. Um, yes. If it, I don't, <laughs> that's maybe a bad way to put it. Um, but like the like, but my thing with why I really like what we do in the shadows, why I like um, I like I like Lost Boys, etc. Vampire media is that they're they're like they vampires are like these horrible monsters that want to kill you and drink your blood or just massacre you and that's just you know that's a that's their whole jive you know they're flying around killing people out just willy-nilly because it's like oh we got to get myself some blood and then in twilight we meet these edward and his family of mormon vampires and they're just up in the woods pretending to be human and then carlisle's like oh well i decided to to keep around a bunch of children vampires with me uh, out of the goodness of my heart. So he's going to have to just move around a lot. It's like, get over yourself. Get over yourself. People stink. Go kill Go kill a bunch of, like, old people. There's old people that are, like, on death's door. Carlisle could easily get away with that. He works at a hospital. Oh, my God. Literally, okay, you bring up such a fucking good point first of all okay his first name? Of all, i have to shout tyler? out to my i have to who tyler easy <laughs> done done okay i have to shout out to my sibling Haley, who was on many episodes ago and we asked like oh who would we asked like what animal you would kill if you were a vampire and Haley was like i would just kill people Yes, okay, that's the correct answer. Like, I don't know why I even asked this. Like, <laughs> you're so right that I, I'm already thinking now of like, what would this? How fucking cool could this book series be if it was like this family of vampires who was attempting to like do high school or like whatever, like mainstream or whatever? They're like vigilantes. But, like, failing miserably and, like, killing people all the time. Oh. Like, that would be so fun. You know, like, in a, in a fantasy, like, death way. Like, death in real life is sad. But in this book, could be fun. And yeah. Cool. Yeah, she, yeah. Stephanie Meyer really neuters these vampires in terms of, like, taking away their uh, their instincts towards bloodshed and... Yeah, massacring. Like, that's absolutely the word for it. It's just utterly massacring. Unfortunately, it's just the vampires that we have the courtesy of meeting throughout all these yeah. books. Because the other ones seem pretty vile, you know? I, I like that when the, when the other group of vampires shows up and they're like, oh yeah, we fed on the way over. And they're like being all cheeky about it. That's fun. I like that they're so into the fact that they're just murderers, you know? They, if, you're, if you're an immortal being that is essentially you know you're unkillable because in this the vampires have so few weaknesses in these in these books that there are these immortal beings essentially that can just essentially get away with whatever charm anyone and can just do as they please and then Car uh carly's colon is like 
I want to be bad. Uh. I know you hate to hear this, but you are so ready for New Moon. You are so ready for Bella. You are so Vulture, ready, Luke. And we're going to meet the Volturi. And you're going to love them. Luke, you got to read the saga. You're ready. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you're guess I'll have invested. to at this point. I invested is <laughs> a strong word. You can but- binge it. Quick read, all of them. So bingeable. Um, I do think it's interesting that in other vampire media, like, like True Blood, for example, these vampires can like freely feed on people and then glamour them so that they don't remember. Or that happens in the vampire diaries too. A vampire can feed on someone, not kill them, and like wipe their memory. But in Twilight, it's like if a vampire feeds, it's sudden death. It's like certain death, and there's no way to make you forget it or anything like that. And it really like ups the stakes, I feel like. It makes it so much more difficult for them to go around just casually feeding. Because in Stephanie Meyer's world, there's no such thing. There's no casual sex. You got such a great point, Gabby. Like, and oh my God, where did I fucking hear this? It was probably on TikTok where once you know that Stephanie Meyer is LDS and you read the books with that lens, you can't unread it with that lens because the addition of the venomous bite of... I mean, and I know this exists and in other vampire like mythology, but specifically in this saga where it's like, if I bite you, you're done. Like you're either going to die or you're going to become a vampire. That's not necessarily true in other vampire mythology where like a vampire could technically feed off someone and then just leave them. But in this one, it's, yeah, it's, like, if I bite someone, you're dead or you're a vampire. And, like, turning someone into a vampire seems relatively rare. Um, And so it does kind of feed into this, like, action consequence sex before marriage, like, narrative, I feel like. Where it's, like, you only want to turn someone that you're really committed to. Or you're a murderer. So which yeah. one's going to be? And it makes it really easy for her protagonists, which are Edward and Bella. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very, it's all very black and white, too. There isn't a lot of like, I mean, there is gray that exists within Twilight, but within like the rules of the world that she's created, it's it's a lot of black and white. That makes Edward an incel, right? <laughs> very insully. Yeah, he would yeah. be. Because he, he's talking about, oh, it's so painful to turn into a vampire. You only get a bunch of benefits and live forever. I couldn't do that to you, <laughs> girl. You little girl. Why would I do something nice to you? <laughs> okay, question for Aaron and Luke. Would you, if right now, like literally right the second... If, like, Carlisle walked into your apartment and was like, you two, I'll turn you into vampires, would you do it? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's what <laughs> I've been waiting for my whole life. No stipulations, just I'll do it, cool. Turn me yeah. and then I'm out of there. I'd hang out a bit. I'd be like, what are you up to, Carlisle? All those, that family, with the exception of Alice, seems boring as hell. Carlisle? 
Yeah, he's a doctor. He's a he's an old he's a doctor who's an old man. I, I want to hang out with him right now. I want to go hang out with those sickos. <laughs> I want to go hang out with those sickos who just are running around killing people willy nilly. <laughs> Listen. Okay, cool. Aaron. No, that's just literally the moment I've dreamt of since I was like, since I first, you know, opened Twilight. Like literally, I've I feel like there were moments as like an eleven year old where I was like, vampires have to be real because this is my destiny. I can feel it in my blood. I am meant to be immortal. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was actually talking to Jordan about this yesterday the day before i literally do not know how this came up but i just turned to him and i was like i was like i think i could be immortal like i think i would like vibe with that lifestyle like yeah i'd be really sad when the people i love died like yeah that would suck like honestly i feel like immortality would be like chill potentially I don't know. Maybe I'd get into cryptocurrency. <laughs> I think that for me personally, immortality would probably be bad, but part of being a vampire is at least in a lot of them is uh, you lose your moral compass. So no moral compass and I can just live a hedonist hedonistic lifestyle until I don't know, some other vampire or vampire hunter hunts me down to kill me. That's that's the real fun. Make a name for myself so that the so that there's people coming to me so I never get bored. Well, Luke, I hate to say it, but you would get killed so fast by the Volturi in this you know, okay. guessing. If you were doing that, I would support you in it, but you would also Do you think, do you think that I could hook up with them? The Volturi? Yeah. Like there's got to be someone or, like, join them. Either or. You know that they're like they live in the Vatican. That's right? even better because one of the most one of my least favorite places I've ever been was the Vatican. So I to spoil you, that with my unholy being, mwah, chef's kiss. You could like I'm like certain that you could hook up with them sexually, and if you were gifted, if you were gifted, you could also join them. I bet. Okay, I I, I like to think that I would be gifted. Okay, I know what that. Do you think I know that you guys have talked about what your vampire powers would be before, but I've never asked Luke, what would your vampire power be? I don't know. I haven't given it any thought up until this moment. Because, um, you know, the, the other parts of being a vampire are already pretty nice perks. But if, I get, if I'm going to give myself a vampire superpower, then... Does flight count? Can can the can this flight count as a superpower? Sure. Mm -hmm. I think like flight and being able to like hover and shit. I think that'd be that'd be good. Cause then it, cause then I can do like that fun thing like they do in. There, there's a lot. There's a really fun scene in what we do in the shadows where there's like they're they're hunting and there's some people out on a stroll and they just fly down and pull someone up and then they kill them and their partner's just doused in blood stuff like that. Luke, I. I hear you on the flying. Mm -hmm. I have an idea. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Okay. So based on all of this talk we've had about the kind of vampire you would be, mm -hmm. I feel like potentially your vampire power 
would to be like at will or just kind of like spontaneously just from people being around you that just like an aura. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could make people like drop or completely lose their inhibitions. Absolutely. I, at, like your vampire power would be like, everyone in this room is getting loose. We're going to go <laughs> murder. Oh my God. Luke. I, I, Luke. Like I like that. Just have the ability to like make people like down for whatever. Okay. I, that's, that's a better idea. Thank you, Gabby. Uh, I like that. Just sort of like a, uh, just a party. A party I person. Yeah. Like you're going to like inspire everyone to really get rowdy. <laughs> Luke, I have this photo in my phone and Gabby, I think you're in it. I need to find it and send it to y'all. It is from, do you remember the after party we had for Kiss Me Kate at Gabby's old, old house? I do. I remember that. I saw 99. Yeah. That house. I have a picture from that after party of, it's like a selfie of me and Luke. Luke, you're for sure in the selfie maybe Gabby I have a picture of us in that picture and I fucking love that picture Luke because I remember that night and I just remember both of us being extremely drunk and like dancing in Gabby's old old house by Fun 99 and Mm. I remember that was a night where I was like Luke is wild like, that was, like, a thought that I had. I was, like, Luke is a kooky person. And I love that picture. And I need to send that to you because I was going through my photos the other day and I saw it. And I was, like, this is yeah. a great time. Judging from my ability to not remember that picture very well, that gives it probably I was quite drunk at the party. Aaron McVeigh. Yeah. Aaron Smith is going to tell us about her vampire power. Hello. Oh. Now, earlier, it's not as exciting. Um, I feel like I feel like I have to be boring and feel like I probably have something similar to Jasper because I feel like I just I'm very good at talking to people and I've been told a lot that I'm a very good listener. Um, and in every single job I've worked, and I know that sometimes people are just weird and they'll just talk to whoever. But I feel like even complete strangers will, like, tell me about their lives and then be like, like, I can see them get flustered and be like, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You're, like, really easy to talk to. And I'm just like, I don't know why you're telling me all this. I don't feel like I've given you any reason to tell me all this. That happens to me a lot. (laughs) So I feel like it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know what it is about me that makes people do that. And then if I got turned into a vampire, it'd be like, I could just make, maybe I'd be like a truth teller. Like people can't yeah. lie around me. Yeah. Or, or like people when they're around you, they would feel like suddenly like somehow compelled to like reveal their like deepest secrets. Yes. I'd be like, tell me now. <laughs> oh my God. You would like, <laughs> it has me wondering like how many firehouse regulars are secretly murderers and they'd be ordering their Americano and suddenly be oh like, I do want cream and I strangled someone yesterday. Oh my god. <laughs> Y'all, statistically, one of us has crossed paths with a killer. 
Oh, God. Literally. Like, statistically, even if it's not, like, someone you know personally, how one of us has interfaced with a killer. Erin, I don't know if you remember this, but we auditioned for Mark's summer theater thing, and we had us three, you, me, and Luke, we had, like, similar audition slots. Yes. And it was one of those tell a story auditions. That story you told, I I tell to other people sometimes, Aaron, because that you telling that story in that room, it affected me so much. I was just like, my jaw dropped. I was just Listen like, oh my God. I tell it all the time. I have follow up on this what story. story. Okay. Okay. I, Everyone, you listen. Yeah, I mean, others. Okay, so it was probably like 2018 or 2019. It was when I was living with Kyle DeWitt, my good dear friend. And he has, I'm realizing now, it's probably my oldest friend. Like, I've known him since I was like 12. And he was my roommate in college. He came home one weekend. I don't even know how it came up. It wasn't like he had like just been there. But he was telling me the story. He was like, oh yeah, my friend... What was his name? I forget his name. I think his name was like Tyler. Let's say it was Tyler. He was like, my friend Tyler's girlfriend has this crazy story that she told us when I was at his house last weekend. And I was like, oh my God, what's the story? Like, I want to hear it. And he was like, okay, so Tyler's girlfriend was like, it was like Tyler's girlfriend's friend. Like, it was like two degrees of separation. Tyler's girlfriend's friend went, was in a bridal party. She was a bridesmaid, okay? And this bridal party went on a bachelorette trip to Florida. So they go to Florida. It's this group of women. They are going to go to the club for the weekend. They're going to have a great time. It's a bachelorette party. And this girl, the subject of the story, goes to this club in Florida with her with the bride and the rest of the bridesmaids. And while she's there at this club, pre-pandemic, meets this guy. They dance. They make out a little bit at the club. It's, like, hot. It's, like, cool. And he's like, girl, come back to my apartment. Like, let's hook up. I'm remembering this story now. Yeah, and he's like, there's follow-up after the story. And this girl is like, no... I'm with my friend. It's her bachelorette weekend. I can't go back with you. I'm sorry. Like, you're really cool. Whatever. But no. And he's like, okay, here's my number. While you're still in town, if you want to hook up, call me. Weekend goes on. Whatever. She gets home. She has a rash on her mouth. And she's like, oh, God, I have a rash. She goes to the doctor. They check out the rash. Okay, we took some samples. We'll talk to you in a couple days' time. They call her back like a couple days later. And when she comes back, there's like police officers. And they tell her that the rash in her mouth is from corpse mites. And you can only get in contact with it by being in contact with a dead body. And then they find out through this girl that the guy that she danced with at the club was a serial killer who was keeping corpses in his apartment. Okay, so that's the story. It's fucking crazy, right? Because he was going to serial kill this girl. Fast forward. It's like probably, I don't know, eight months ago. I'm in Ohio. And my sibling texts me. 
and they sent me this podcast episode and she was like, dude, listen to this podcast episode starting at 43 minutes or whatever. And I was like, okay. So I listened to the whole thing because it's like a, you know, it's like a true crime episode. I'm like, oh, I like this. So I'm like cleaning, I'm like cleaning the bathroom. I turn on this episode. She had told me to listen at 43 minutes, starting at 43 minutes, but I started at the beginning. So I'm listening, I'm listening, and then it's getting to the timestamp that they told me to go to. And I was like, okay, I'm getting there. So I like, you know, I like sit down. I'm like, okay, what is, what did they want me to hear? And on this fucking podcast that was about urban legends, it was all about urban legends. The podcaster was like, okay, this story comes from a couple years ago where I called my mom and basically, I don't even fucking remember the details, but basically, dude, this story of this girl who met this guy at the club, this is like an urban legend. Like, what? Like, this person on the podcast that my sibling sent to me was telling the exact story that my roommate Kyle had told me. The- the exact story, except the only difference was it took place in Las Vegas. Exact story, like bachelorette party, danced with a guy, didn't go home with him, but then got an infection and then found out that he was a serial killer. And I'm like literally, like I've been like cleaning the bathroom. I remember this really vividly. I've been like cleaning my bathroom and I just like sat down on my bathroom floor and was like listening to this because I just like couldn't even believe it that this this person on the podcast had like, told their mom this story and then the mom called them back or whatever but anyway long story short I dm'd this podcaster on instagram I was like hey I heard your podcast this happened to my roommate's friend's girlfriend you know like however many degrees of separation and they texted me back and they were basically like great if you have any like you know articles that can back this up like Please send them to me. Like, I want to investigate this further. But basically, dude, I don't even know if this happened anymore. Like, this story is somehow like an urban fucking legend in the zeitgeist of, like, modern American culture. Like, I I don't know how it got to my roommate, Kyle, who I, like, fully trust. Like, he told me this story in, like, full confidence. But... I heard, like, I, I, I need to, dude, I need to find this episode. I need to send it to you so you can listen to it. I can easily find it. I'll send it after this. We were done recording. But I was sitting there listening to it, and it was the exact story I told at that audition. Exact. Exact. Instead of Florida. What's wild to me is that there's, there are people out here who who are just telling this story like fact. Like, it happened to them. You know? Me. Oh yes, but you weren't like. But you weren't like. I was at a party and I made out with someone. You know, but, and then. But, but dude, I told this at an audition. Like yes. I was like, this happened to my roommate's friend's girlfriend. Yeah. And I told it like it was fact. And I don't even know if it was real anymore. Literally, this weekend. To my family, because, you know, we were talking about Luke's job, how they work at a funeral home, like, pick up bodies, and so we were just talking about, like, 
you know, dead bodies and somehow yeah. stuff got up about like diseases. And then that's when I was like, I have a really fun. And I remember saying the exact same thing. Yeah, there's like a ton of degrees of separation because, you know, I heard Luke's the story at an audition but this was something that actually she heard from somebody else and like i went through but like here's the story because that's so interesting though because like wow that's how stuff really gets into like the cultural wow that's crazy it's like a mom and i like literally when i dm'd this podcaster i was like dude this happened to my friend's girlfriend's friend and they were just like, cool, if you have, like, evidence to back it up, I'd love to talk to them. And I, like, tried so hard to find evidence. And I even asked Kyle, I was like, dude, can you reach out to, like, your friend's girlfriend? And he was like, oh, they broke up or, like, something. I don't remember what the fuck it was. But couldn't get to the bottom of it. It is, like, a modern <laughs> urban legend. I couldn't believe it because I've been telling people, like, it is fucking fact. And it was probably not. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I just... <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but... So scary. Yeah, it's a freaky story. It's really freaky. I totally... And I, like, was convinced it was still 100% real until, like... Yeah, my sibling and I, like, FaceTimed shortly after they had sent me that link, and I was just like, okay, wait, maybe it's not 100% real. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, okay, never mind. I really, really hope I never get serial killed. Or, I guess, like, if I get serial killed, I hope that it's quick, and they really just, like, kill me. You know, what I think I'm more, I'm less afraid of being murdered than I am of being held captive. That really scares me or being tortured please don't do it please don't torture me you guys i would be the best torture victim if they were trying to get information because like literally the instant you even like pulled out a knife i'd be like what do you want to know i will betray every person who's ever trusted me like (laughs) right now just tell me like so do not tell me any secrets that you would not want me to reveal under like pressure because if I'm tortured, I will tell them and more. I'll make shit up. Like I don't even care. <laughs> uh oh. Honestly. Yeah. Hey, I honestly I don't know. I don't know that I can say that I would not reveal everyone's secrets if I were being tortured, especially if they started oh if they started pulling off my fingernails. <gasps> Why'd you even say that? I don't know, because that's, like, really visceral. Whenever that's happening in, like, a Saw movie or something fucked up is happening to someone's fingernails, I'm always, like, like, I really, it freaks me out. Did you ever get to that part in Game of Thrones? I watched all of Game of Thrones, so, yeah. Yeah. You're talking about, wait. When Ramsey, like, rips apart his pinky finger. Uh Oh, my God. Sorry. I remember that. Wait, who? Wait, who? Beyond. AKA Reek. Oh, yes. Yeah. I remember covering my eyes and screaming. Oh my god, I know. That part specifically, like, that specific little finger, I will not be watching. That was... That had some gruesome moments in it. Like, the rats, too, in the... 
in the bucket. Was that in Game of Thrones or was that in something else? In like 1984. Oh, that is what I'm remembering that from. You're right. It's when it's him and Julia and they have the rats on their like face. That is a yes. That's not from Game of Thrones. Are you sure they didn't do that in Game of Thrones though? I don't know. I don't think I feel like I, I, feel like dogs. I feel like I've seen it in like a not nineteen eighty-four setting. Like I feel maybe I just made it up in my brain and I just put it in a medieval someone gets their hand chopped off, a horse gets ripped in half. Oh my god. I don't remember Y'all, folks, oh my god, I'm having a memory. Okay, first of all, if anyone remembers the rat eating moment, please tell us. Second of all, when I was watching the episode where, spoilers, Jamie gets his hand cut off, I was watching, this was like back in the day, this was probably like 2014, 2015, when you could still like find HBO Game of Thrones episodes on like random stream streaming websites. And I, I was watching it, I like vividly remember this, I was watching it like in my dorm room and the internet froze. And so I tried to like rewind to like buffer it, but like somehow it fucking fast forwarded. And so it like it froze and then it fast forwarded. And the next thing I saw was Jamie getting his hand cut off. And I was like, <laughs> I, I looked it up. It does happen. In the fourth episode of the second season of Game of Thrones, there is a scene where the tickler has a bucket strapped to a prisoner's chest with a rat inside. He interrogates the prisoner about the hidden gold. Blah, 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 blah. When the prisoner denies the knowledge, the tickler heats the bucket with fire, forcing the rat to chew its way through the prisoner's rib cage to escape the heat. I remember this now. So it did happen. And it also happened in 1984, and that's really fucked up of all these people to create that scenario. True, but nothing is more fucked up than Tyler believing he would take Bella to prom, Bella to prom. only to find out that not only was he not taking her to prom, but he was not taking her anywhere ever because she has a boyfriend. Yes. It all comes full circle. Um, he. You want to go first? For what? Staking. Oh, for staking. That, I'm assuming that's what he's talking about. Okay, what the listeners could not see was Gabby holding up imaginary stakes for the last 15 seconds. So we are, <laughs> folks, our two beautiful, lovely guests who we love so much, Aaron and Luke. Who, what, when, where would you like to stake in the heart? No, I need you to go first because the severity of mine will depend on the severity of yours. But that was my idea. <laughs> no, you Rock, get... paper, scissors. Rock, yeah. paper, scissors. Okay. Just... Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. So... You go first. Okay. Um, uh... Just coming back from the holidays, I feel like I need to stake every person involved in Fox News. I just need them all to be staked forever. Tucker Carlson, especially. 
I don't know what episode it was where you talked about who you would kill if you were a vampire. If I was a vampire, Tucker Carlson, I'm coming for you. FBI, don't arrest me. I'm not going to kill anybody. But, oh, my God. Yeah. My grandmother, who has been a person who I loved my whole life and who has been a big part of my life, her brain is just rotted by Fox News, and it destroys me. And I know so many other people around the country whose brains are rotted by Fox News. It drives me insane. Tucker Carlson, if Aaron Smith becomes a vampire, your days are numbered. He's going to tell me his darkest secrets, and I'm going to kill him. Good! (laughs) I love that. Hey folks, it's Editing Aaron here. It wouldn't be a new year without the same old uh, audio problems. And guess what? Some of our audio got cut out. Um, First of all, if you listened this far, congratulations and bravo. Um, But it cut out the part where Luke said what they were going to stake in the heart. And so I texted them and I got word for word that they want to stake the voice in their head that is rude to them to improve their mental health for the new year. Um, So... Let's all join in uh, staking that voice in our heads. That is rude to us this year in 2022. And now to go into Gabby's heart staking. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. This morning, I woke up and cried for 45 minutes because we're in the middle of this winter storm and I was supposed to open the cafe. And I woke up at 5 a.m. and it's pitch black outside except for, you know, the snowy version of that, which is always a little lighter and kind of spookier. Um. But my car is like essentially we've got we've got inches on inches here right now. So it's like my car, everything was covered. There's so much snow on top of it. And later in the day, it did take me like 20 minutes to like get my car to a place where I was able to drive it. But so I, I was crying when I was looking out at the car because I was like, I don't even work for a corporation. I work for a local business where this is so hard because I feel like I shit talk my place of work all the time on this podcast. I do love working there and there are issues because of, of this, you know, it's all about money. And it's just like one of the perks of working for a local business in theory is that you'll get like maybe some holidays off. And, you know, maybe if there's an extreme weather event in your city that you don't have the infrastructure to deal with, Maybe your boss will decide to close the cafe if it's the day after Christmas, especially. Like, there are just so many things that I was so frustrated by this morning. And I spent so much time just, like, crying because I was like, I don't know what to do. I feel trapped. I do not feel safe driving to work right now, like, in the dark, by myself, after an entire night of heavy, heavy snowfall when it is only 11 degrees outside. Like, Mm -hmm. none of it felt safe for me. And then I was still feeling guilty because I was like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I'm the opener. So it's not like someone can cover my shift. Everyone who I could call is asleep right now. And I felt really helpless. And I, you know, I was really proud of myself because I eventually did just send a message in our like cafe chat saying like, I'm so sorry, but I'm not coming in today. I can't do it. But it was after, again, like 45 minutes of like crying, trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? Like, because I don't want to fuck over all my teammates who have to go to work today. Right. And my boss is more concerned with profits than with the safety of her employees. Yep. We did. I don't think we ended up opening today. So I was really proud of myself for sending that message because then I think other people had the permission to be like, 
(laughs) not coming in either. Not that that's like necessarily true, but I don't know. Sorry for the rant. It's just, it's frustrating. And it's that, that whole mentality where it's like, even in the places that are supposed to be community oriented, it is still profits over people. Yeah. They're people. Just really quickly, Gabby, on that topic, just because we, we both work at the same place. It can be so frustrating because there are very few of us that like very few of us on staff and very few of us there at a certain time. I feel weird when I have to leave, like clock off and I'm just leaving one girl by herself at the cafe. And it's like, she's by herself all day. Uh, uh, That's even separate, but you try to get, it's impossible to get a shift covered because everyone is already working as much as they possibly can because we have so little people on staff. But when we bring up the idea, maybe we should hire a couple more people. Well, it's like the cafe is so small that if we hired more people, then some people wouldn't be getting the hours that they need to pay their bills. So it's like you have people who are being overworked, but they can't let go of hours because they need to pay their bills. But at the same time, like I got my booster shot last week. I had to open the cafe the very next day. And I had the same experience as you, Gabby. I woke up at 5 a.m. I felt awful. I felt like my body had been hit by a truck. But I was like, I have to go into the cafe because I'm the only one that's supposed to show up at this time. No one else is going to be awake. Everyone is probably gone on vacation for Christmas. Like, there's no, not going to be anyone to take my shift. And I was like, someone has to show up and bake the morning pastries. Like, someone's got to do it. So I guess I'm just going to go do it, even though I feel horrible. Like, it's, yeah. it's just like, ah. Sent a Snapchat to the group chat that Aaron McVeigh, because no one can see who I'm pointing at. <laughs> are both in this morning and I was like I can't believe I'm about to risk my life so that our regulars our retirees can get their like fucking brand muffins their brand their brand and their Americanos I was so frustrated I was like this job is not worth it to me and I still feel trapped and like there's no other option and I'm not even like I already I have three weeks including this week I have three more weeks of work there and then I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've already put in my notice and everything. So it's, I was like, really, what are the consequences? Like I could be the shittiest employee in the world for the next three weeks. And it's not like they're going to fire me, but that's you not it. Be, Hell you, yeah. You should, you should just be mean to people for the next two weeks. I would I love know, it. Everyone, what I really think about them. Every regular I see that guy who says, mm, not today about a tip every single fucking day. Gabby. I had a guy after this, and then Erin can say what, who she, what she's going to stake. I just, I have to say that because it's going to drive you all crazy. I had a guy at the cafe the other day. I was working with the lovely, wonderful Aubrey. And um, this guy walks up to us and is, sets his plate down, and he's eating. He doesn't have his mask on, and he's eating his sandwich. And I'm, like, washing dishes. And he sets his plate down on the counter right next to the sink. So he's literally, like a, like, less than a foot away from me. No mask on, eating his sandwich. He goes, he talks, with, he's chewing. And as he's chewing his sandwich, he says through his chewing, can I set my plate down here? And I'm just like, it's towards the end of my shift. I'm just disgusted. I don't want to deal with him. I'm like, yeah, you can set it there. That's fine. And then Aubrey, wonderful, lovely Aubrey goes, by the way, could you please wear your mask when you're up from your table? And he looks at her and he goes, I'm still eating. And he takes another bite of his sandwich. That was like, like a problem my guy fuck off yes he takes another bite of his sandwich like looking in Aubrey's eyes I'm still eating takes another bite of a sandwich 
So then I am just like, I've got no fuse anymore. So I just like, I'm like, yeah, when you're up here from your table, you're less than six feet away from us and other customers pass by you in the hallway. So just to keep us all safe, we ask that you have your mask on when you're not sitting at your table. And he looks at me and he says, I've got both my vaccines and my booster. What are you afraid of? And then he just left. Like before Aubrey or I could say anything, because he knew he was being an asshole. He just, he just like put his plate down and left. And I was just like, the contempt, the contempt and the entitlement that's, I'm sorry, we are podcasting right now and I'm getting heated and about to rant and Aaron, who are you going to stake in the heart? Thank you for asking. Um, Who I'm going to stake in the heart this week is, so my family has always had a tradition of we always go to the movies on Christmas day. It's been that way since I was a kid. And I went to the movies yesterday. I saw Nightmare Alley, the new Guillermo del Toro movie, which was very interesting. Um, I recommend it because I would love to hear other people's thoughts on it. We, Jordan and I went to like, a like what? Like a 4.30 matinee. And we get there. Like, right as it starts, and the only other people in this theater, and, like, this theater in Athens, Ohio, is, like, 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 imagine someone took, like, an old, like, one-story JCPenney and in, like, a town of 10,000 people and turned it into a movie theater. Like, that's the movie theater we're working with. It is, like... It feels like I am in, like, a middle school auditorium. So I go into this movie screening. I'm very excited. There's only two other people in there. Perfect. We sit very far away from them. Um, but these two people. And this is this movie is, like, I mean, it's not, like, hard to follow. But it's not, like, you know, it, you have to pay attention. And these two people are, they are elderly they, long story short, we're watching this movie. It's just Jordan and I and this elderly couple. And this elderly couple, the whole time, it was like anything happened. Anything happened. And the woman would be like, or the, the one of the people in the couple would be like, what? What did she say? Did she say, go away? And then the other person would be like, I don't know. They're on a train now. I just don't know. Well, why are they on a train? I don't know why they're on a train. Weren't you watching? I was watching. And we and Jordan and I are just sitting there and we're just like... <laughs> like, usually we get really mad when people talk to her in the theater, but honestly, we were just flabbergasted. But... <laughs> I would still stake this couple in the heart because, you know, questions during a film, that's understandable. We all have them. We've all been there. We all have questions. But folks, you don't need to scream your questions to the theater at large. Um, you can ask in a uh, regulated volume level. So... I will be staking them, and maybe that's mean, but I don't care. Aaron, when my family went on Christmas Day a couple of years ago, and we saw Knives Out in the theaters, 
Have all of you seen that? I haven't, but I know enough about it. I don't care about spoilers. Okay. So, well, this is a spoiler for Knives Out, but at the end, one of the characters goes out another character with a knife. Um, A knife? uh, Yes, shocking. Um, (laughs) um, But it has been established earlier in the film that one of these knives, or maybe several of them, you know, they're prop knives. It's this you know, this old cinema man who he has essentially like a throne that's just like knives. Um, and so someone's going to stab someone and it's like the climax of the, the movie. And my dad, um, but he loudly says, it's the fake one. It's a prop. And it was like, he literally just like, very loudly and then he thought it was so fucking funny and I was like I will say this I think that there is a line because like I recognize that I am like a theater etiquette snob and like probably a lot of that needs to be like like honestly it's not that deep if people want to like react in the theater that's fine and I need to like address that within myself but I will say there is a line between someone reacting to a movie you know like laughing or like engaging with the film versus someone like your father who spoils the film for the entire screen. The only theater ruining story I have is my family went and saw the Star Trek movie when it came to the, like that very first one with uh, Chris. Other one. Pines. Yes, that very first one with Chris Pine when they like put it in theaters. We went as a family. I didn't know shit about Star Trek, but my dad liked Star Trek, so we all went and saw it. And I ended up sitting at the end of my fam my family line and the guy next to me was this really, really old guy and he had like a Star Trek t-shirt on and he wasn't loud. So I was the only person in the theater who heard him except whoever was on the other side of him. But throughout the entire movie, he was trying to like quote it, like along with it, but it was clear he hadn't seen the movie before. So he was trying to like quote it with what he thought the character was about to say. But then, like, the character would say something different, and he, he was just, like, quietly, uh, just to, to, to two people to the side of him, which one of those people happened to be me, I could hear him trying to say the lines with the characters, but, like, I don't think he got a single one right. And then the, like, iconic one, the one that where Spock, you know, I'm not a Star Trek person, so Star Trek people out there, I'm sorry I'm butchering this, but Spock has that quote with Kirk, and he's like, I am for our forever and always will be your friend, that quote. <laughs> um. He, like, he knew it was going to happen, and I could see he, like, shifted up in his seat. Like, he was like, this is the time. This is the time. And then he, like, he mixed the words around, so he was, like, still, in the one line he probably could have predicted, he, like, messed it up and, like, stumbled over his words and, like, mixed them up. And then he, like, he did the little, like, thing in the theater, but, like, just quietly to himself. Uh, and you know, honestly, like I wouldn't stake him because he was having a good time and he was only bothering me. But me as like <laughs> a ten-year-old sitting next to this old guy who was just mumbling to himself, I don't remember anything from the movie except that that guy was just sitting next to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is too much. That is way too much. <laughs> Wait, Luke, did you stake someone? Yeah, the voice in my head. Remember? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Please, Gabby. We all need to be vigilant to stake that voice. Yes. All, yeah, all hands on deck. Oh my god. Okay, folks, 
our listeners, two of which are in this podcast right now. Um, we made it to the end of this fucking book. It only took like six months, <laughs> but we did it. Um, I've had a lot of fun revisiting this book and looking at it with a more critical eye and also approaching it with, I think, a level of silliness that you kind of have to because this franchise is ridiculous and has evolved to a place of ridiculousness that I find very fun. Um, and yeah, if you've listened this far, just thanks. And tuned because be doing a boozy movie review of the first film to fully finish and close off our coverage of the first book in the Twilight Saga before Mm -hmm. we spread our wings and and move on to to book two. My favorite book in the whole series. It is. And my least favorite. Yes, but we will be doing a boozy movie review of the iconic, I think, 2008 film, Twilight, directed by Catherine Hardwick. Um, And yeah, thank you, Erin and Luke, for being here. Do you have any parting thoughts or quotes or anything at all you want to say before we sign off for the evening? Um, Just, uh, you know, this is the blood of... I fucked it up. Never mind. (laughs) Erin, thank you both. Thank you to my good friends, Aaron and Gabby, who invited me on to read this funny vampire book and share my thoughts and feelings about it. Yes. Thanks, you guys, for making this podcast because it brings a lot of joy into my life. Um, (laughs) And I'm excited to make Luke sit down and watch New Moon. Should we watch New Moon tonight? Yes! Yes, you should, Luke. Yeah? Yes. Listen, all I all of the Twilight movies are getting taken off of Netflix on January fifteenth. Thank you. Just there. Yep. January fifteenth. Gone. I mean, all movies are online for free when you think about it. It's true. They can be found. I'm just saying you should just watch the movie. It's it's my favorite Twilight movie. It's really good. Okay. For you. Why are they doing that? Didn't literally they just put them up like I don't know. Or, something, or October, right? I have to sit with this news. Okay. <laughs> well, on that note, um, thank you so much to everyone. Seriously, mostly, mostly Aaron Smith and Luke Julie, who I know have been listening to these episodes. And also my mom, who I know listens to these episodes. Megan uh, were in her Spotify raps. Megan Quinn and Riley McNabb, two of our most dedicated listeners. Big shout out to you two. Um, and anyone who has been listening, um, this is truly something that Gabby and I started because we just wanted an outlet to hang out and talk about something we love together, which is vampire media. So Thank you so much to anyone who's been listening. Thank you so much to Aaron and Luke. Um, genuinely love you both. Tons and tons and tons. And um, so long, suckers. Keep your eyes peeled for sexy, sparkling vampires. Okay, bye. 
I'm gonna take Craig out of that. Get out of here! <laughs>